it keeps us in that noticing space, doesn't it? I think the more that we can practice that presence, the easier it is to be really present with our families. Mm -hmm. And for me, I think, you know, I want to accept my child and his wholeness and all of who he is, but how can I do that if I don't accept myself and my wholeness and all of who I am? Welcome to Wildflow, the podcast with me, your host, Charlotte Ponto. I'm a wild feminine cycle coach here for the awakened woman who is ready to reclaim her body, menstrual cycle and feminine power and to live, love and lead in flow with nature's wisdom. In this podcast, I'll share how you can live in sync with your menstrual cycle and life seasons, heal your relationship with your womb and rites of passages and embody your wild feminine as a multi-passionate woman in life, mothering and business. It's your time to flourish as a cyclical being in this modern world. Are you ready? Let's fly. Today I'm really excited to bring on a guest who I have connected with through my cycle coach uh, community, Sarah Stars. Sarah is somebody who I've really wanted to chat with because she is really passionate about a topic that I am very familiar with, and that's parenting and the intersection of parenting with the menstrual cycle. So Sarah Stars is a cycle coach who works with parents with periods. She helps them to harness the power of their menstrual cycles to improve family life. Her work will help create more flow in your parenting, amp up your creativity, boost your self-compassion and create a whole lot more ease, which sounds pretty good to me. Sarah is a home-educating, stay-at-home mama and a bit obsessed with Shonda Rhimes shows. She's passionate about peaceful parenting, justice, kitchen dance parties and helping to create a livable planet for her son to grow up on. Parenting and the menstrual cycle is something that, like I say, I've been curious about and pondering about and noticing for myself. I'm... um a mother of three young children and I've married to a man who doesn't have a menstrual cycle, even though he's very open to the idea of menstrual cycle awareness, we're still really finding our rhythm when it comes to working with the cycle and, and my differences and his lack of overt menstrual cycle and how that we can really hold each other through the month, how we can partner, collaborate, hold space for each other, um, take one for the team when we're able. And so I'm really happy to chat with Sarah to hear about her experience, the work that she does, her ideas for how we can cycle sync family life with your menstrual cycle and how that can really help us to be more present and connected um, with our children and partners. So I hope that this one um, supports you and that you enjoy listening. Welcome, Sarah Stars, to the Wildflow podcast. How are you today? I'm doing really well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you for being here. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. It's a topic that I have been personally very curious about myself. Um, so let's begin with a cycle check-in. I'd love to know if you're happy to share and if you have a menstrual cycle where you are in your cycle and how that's feeling for you today. So I'm on cycle day 16. I'm in my inner summer, just about to ovulate. And I'm feeling really upbeat and open, a real sense of aliveness. And there's been so much um, creative flow and kind of downloads in this summer for me, this cycle. And I would also say that I'm finding my cycles a little bit sticky at the moment. I've been having some health, ongoing health issues and we're in the middle of um, selling our house for an international move. So I'm, yeah, there's a little bit of that too much energy, that niggling anxiety that's kind of sitting beneath and um, perhaps those more joyful feelings. So just kind of letting myself be in that mild tension with it. Um, it's an ongoing practice for me in my cycle right now. Mm. Yeah, hearing you, that's a lot to be 
a lot to be moving through and um yeah hearing you with that underlying um tension and anxiety on top of the bubbling summer energy yeah and that I'm um by contrast at the opposite pole of the cycle so I I don't really know which day to call it to be honest because I've been spotting for like more than spotting like having like a very very light flow for about four days and then today it's just all finally releasing and so I'm a bit sore in my womb and in my lower back and I can't decide whether today's day one or day five so um yeah you know technically not day one comes after the spotting but I feel like I've been having a bit more than that so yeah just kind of curious as to what's going on in my body and um but just being present with the with that um with the energy but it's interesting because last weekend so today is Thursday night where I am and Thursday morning where you are on the other side of the world so a good few days ago I had the full like um pull into winter and that that real descent and that kind of separation phase where I felt like I just really needed time by myself and um over the last couple of days I've actually felt like I've had a bit more energy and almost felt a bit more like like that shift kind of outwards again but it's in complete contrast to what my what my my blood is doing so I'm a bit all over the shop at the minute and um is what it is just being present with it so yeah thank you I love to um hear where where um where you're at so thank you for sharing yeah you too and I mean that's such a beautiful lesson isn't it that it's so powerful to learn all this menstrual cycle awareness stuff and there's so many good books on it but ultimately it's tuning into your own energy isn't it because often it can look and feel a lot different than we don't really think it will yeah totally I've found that to be the most useful um approach to it for me because I'm not having textbook cycles mm. at all and I'm been um I'm trying to wean my daughter off the boob because she's over two and she's um breastfeeding um a lot like she she would feed all day if she could and all night and she's just been sick so I think that's also mm. contributing to throwing out my cycle but um yes. just letting go of the idea of perfection with it and just being curious and patient a lot of patience I found myself um particularly before my cycle came back earlier this year there was a lot of impatience around um wanting it to come back and wanting to connect with what my cycle was doing and to be able to chart it and learn about what my cycle looks like now after my third um baby and um yeah it's just an ongoing reminder to be patient I think that's my overall lesson patience and surrender yeah yeah and there's this almost this kind of patience and just like accepting the cycle for where it is and what it is right now I mean I I don't know if this is your same experience um having breastfed multiple children potentially but I know that breast, even after my cycle came back, breastfeeding hormones certainly impacted my experience of my cycle and weaning. Um, certainly I breastfed my son till he was three and a half. So it's been like a year of not feeding him. And after the few months after he stopped feeding, um, my cycle, the vibrancy and the fullness of my cycle came back in such a way that I hadn't realized how muted it was so with breastfeeding. I think that's something that's maybe not spoken about in menstrual cycle awareness there's not a lot of research about the impact of of breastfeeding beyond that first initial period when you're not cycling um yeah what what the hormones are doing to the experience of the cycle so that's quite interesting as well absolutely and I completely agree I found there's just been very little like you say very little information and every time I have a look at sort like you say that same initial postpartum period of you know, and, and lots of like the texts assuming that you're going to stop breastfeeding pretty quickly and, you know, for extended breastfeeders. And um, I think this has been the longest I've fed any of the children because they all, the, the other two naturally weaned when I was pregnant the next time. Right. But then I didn't, I'd have like one or two periods which were really irregular um, in between children. 
So, um, yeah, I haven't had a proper menstrual cycle for years. And um, when I didn't have a cycle, I could kind of tune in, you know, following the moon and sort of thinking like, oh, today I feel like this season and today, I, you know, the next day I feel, you know, but there was no real pattern to it at all. It was just very much in the moment. And now I do, but um, I think last month, Last cycle was the really the first time that I felt like I had the heady heights of summer. I was like, oh my word, I don't know if I've experienced this in my whole life. Because pre-children, I'd been on the pill for so long from about the age of 16. And so um, when I first came off the pill to conceive, I, I didn't know about cycle awareness. It wasn't something I was aware of. I was just trying to pinpoint ovulation for conception um so really I feel like from a lived experience I'm really only just getting into it myself which is really interesting because that's brought up a lot of just complete side note like like you know working with women and teaching about menstrual cycle awareness but from this place of like it not being like a fully embodied lived experience has been really weird for me um it's been really interesting and now like really connecting in with it as it's coming through um it's like I feel like I'm I'm learning about it all like having my own menarche all over again it's like a second menarche like really um learning from 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 scratch almost I'm having that I'm taking that view that I'm just letting go of anything that I might've known before and just really um, taking it like a, um, like a fresh, a fresh start with it, a new relationship with it. So it's fascinating, but I think, you know, yeah, the more we can talk about this, the better because there's so many of us in this situation. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for that. All right. Well, we are here to chat about, um, parenting and the menstrual cycle so you are um really into um working with parents with periods and helping them to work with their menstrual cycles to improve family life and i'm i have three three children and i'm married so personally i'm really curious to learn more from you about this but um i'd love to know how you came to this kind of area of specialty for you like what's what what like what's your story would you share that with us yeah so I um first learned about menstrual cycle awareness I was yeah I was in my 20s um it was 2015 and I was living in London and was um you know, just like really going to loads of spiritual workshops. And there's so much of that kind of stuff in London, you know, like lots of the big like spiritual authors and, um, you know, famous yoga teachers, they'll, they'll do workshops in London. So there's, I was just like gobbling that all up really. And my friend, um, who, who uses a whole bunch of modalities in her work herself, she'd connected with this woman that she'd met in LA and she was doing this angelic breath healing workshop. I was like, no idea what that was but you know sounds fascinating I'm gonna go and it was um I don't necessarily personally relate to the idea of angels but I love breath work and it was a really powerful experience and at the time I had started a podcast um and my friend introduced me to Lisa Lister and said you know Lisa's just written this book about periods um, I had kind of a reputation of being this uh I, I don't know exactly what the right word is, but like I used words like periods and horny that British people are not always comfortable with. And so she's like, you'll love her. She like loves talking about periods. <laughs> so um, you should be great on your podcast. And so I ended up um, talking to Lisa who had just written this book called Code Red. And she said, oh, like, let me send you a copy. And yeah, it'd be great to be on the podcast. And and she was great on the podcast that is like in the archives of my website if you want to have a listen. But I mean, the book just blew my mind learning about menstrual cycle awareness for the first time. Um, and it was, you know, I'd, I'd had a little bit of a, a disillusionment, I think. I was starting to be, become a bit disillusioned with some of the mind, body, spirit stuff and, and that kind of um, personal development world, seeing how there's often, it's very tied into a lot of capitalist ideals, often um, that industry and how it was 
in many ways, like convincing people that they were broken and needed fixing. And there's a lot of money tied up in it. And I just loved how menstrual cycle awareness is really about becoming your own healer in many ways and tapping into your own knowledge and all this within you. And I just really took it up um, right away and started charting my cycle and really um, looking at ways, you know, I I was in my twenties. I was I had just gotten married, but I had so much free time in hindsight. I may not have thought so at the time, but so much free time to kind of adapt my life to my cycle. And and just found it such a powerful kind of uh, awakening and really tuned me into myself, learning all of that. So I was practicing menstrual cycle awareness for a year and we decided to um have a baby, start trying to have a baby. And I think because I've been tracking ovulation already for a year as part of my cycle charting practice, um, that was really incredibly useful data to have. I knew when um, when I was ovulating, we got I got pregnant right away. Um, and then I felt a little bit adrift without my cycle. And I, I um, having mm. done a lot of this work for a while now, I do know there is some kind of like conscious pregnancy and the energetics of pregnancy workout there but I was really searching for it and not finding it and I felt a bit adrift without my cycle um and so that's uh, something I really love working with people of cycle awareness through pregnancy now as well Mm. but once I had um, my son Peter and um I found that as I was breastfeeding him and he yeah sounds similar to your daughter he just fed all the time as a baby which babies do but then I mean he still fed us all the time as a three and a half year old and my body kind of was like I can't do that anymore I hear you he was feeding all the time and um I, I think my cycle came back around seven months but I did find a couple of months before that that um I started to have some of the energetics of the cycle like I would have that kind of um, pre-menstrual feeling week where I was really like way more reserved and needing a lot of time in and maybe like um, which is hard with a small baby so maybe feeling a bit more irritable and, and grumpy with my husband and things like that and so then my bleed came back and I was so happy I just felt like it gave me this steady anchor and rhythm to tune back into but I was a bit like well how do I practice menstrual cycle awareness in a really embodied way and really honor its ebbs and flows through our days when I have this child depending on me all the time um when it's you know I mean gosh this is a total aside really but Peter did not sleep well at all he woke up like every 20 to 45 minutes for a long time and then did not sleep for more than three hours till he was two like we we were uh tired to say the mm. least but how do you like really rest at menstruation it was just all of this um all, everything I'd read had mostly been by um, child-free, mostly self-employed women. So adapting this work to the life with a young child. And now, you know, he's a little bit older now, he's four. But I just found like there was such a, um, yeah, just not, it wasn't talked about a lot. And, you know, um, many people do, many people with periods do end up having children. So um and knowing how transformative this work could be. And then as I began to experiment with it and do some more research, you know, just things even like that get left out of the conversation, like I was saying, um, how much breastfeeding impacted my cycle. And I didn't realize till I was nearly done breastfeeding that the hormones that, so yes, you are having the hormonal fluctuations and I was still ovulating. Um, but the hormones that are coming from the breastfeeding process, you're essentially in an extended pre-menstruum, right? So you might have a little bit of ups and downs, but it wasn't, for me, at least it was a much flatter experience. And once I learned about the more hormonal side of breastfeeding and kind of overlaid that with what I knew about cycle awareness, it's like, oh, well, yeah, of course you are naturally in that kind of potentially more insular, reflective, low energy. And, you know, since I did feed him for three and a half years, it's like, that would have been really useful information to have just for the kind of mm-hmm. compassion and grace you can give yourself with it. So um, seeing how much I think it's improved our family life to have this real menstruality and cyclic uh, awareness running through it. Uh, and now I'm really excited to be sharing it with other people. Mm, thank you very much for sharing your story. That's really helpful to hear. And I resonate with so much of what you shared in that. And, you know, um, particularly babies that don't sleep and <laughs> and um yeah um so you were just saying there that you know you've really noticed that this is really like 
supported and influenced your your family dynamic can you share with us how how it has how's that happened yeah so I think one thing that I feel really passionate about is that um so I'm very passionate about the idea of peaceful parenting and parenting that respects the autonomy of the children that respects the child as a whole person un, in un, to themselves they're not like an adult in training, right? They are a whole being right now. And how do we um, parent in a way that is consensual and respectful and joyful? And, you know, just like the honest truth is that I don't think we can parent that way unless we have really focused on knowing ourselves, on healing some of those um, wounds that we maybe received as children and, and are able to look beyond the way we are parented and choose new ways and um, are consistently kind of nourishing ourselves and filling ourselves up. Because certainly when I feel really run down, uh, when I feel like I've not maybe feeling creatively fulfilled, it's much harder to then um, be in that open, unconditionally loving state that I think my child needs. So um menstrual cycle awareness for me is a practice that keeps me so consistently in tune with my own needs and how those fluctuate. And since I have a lot less time to maybe, you know, go to all those spiritual retreats or like spend the weekend, um, you know, relaxing and, and meditating and having, um, a really consistent, like one hour morning routine that might not feel as doable, mm. but I can stay really in touch with those things that I know will have a big impact. So, you know, people talk about the 20% of what you do, having the 80% impact how, through menstrual cycle awareness. I think we can really tune into what those small things that will be really impactful are. Mm-hmm. I also think that menstrual cycle awareness is such a beautiful practice in presence and it's really doable where you know, just by tuning in every day to how you feel, how your needs are fluctuating, it builds so much self-awareness. And it also just, it keeps us in that noticing space, doesn't it? I think the more that we can practice that presence, the easier it is to be really present with our families. Mm -hmm. And for me, I think, you know, I want to accept my child and his wholeness and all of who he is, but how can I do that if I don't accept myself and my wholeness and all of who I am? Um, And I think that through menstrual cycle awareness, through meeting those energies that ebb and flow throughout our cycle, through coming up, you know, against those shadows of ourselves that we maybe wouldn't look at otherwise, it has been a practice of uh, of growing self-acceptance and self-compassion for me. And then I think that allows me to accept other people and be more compassionate towards them, which is, you know, of course, so essential for Mm. families. Mm, beautiful thank you for that that sounds yeah I completely agree and I love what you just said there about you know accepting the cycle teaches you to accept your wholeness and all those different parts of us and everything that's brought up as we journey through the cycle and let you say the wounds that are there as well as our strengths and the light and the dark and the energetic and creative and productive and the slower tender um, even the moodier parts of us and how that can teach us to, if we can hold space for ourselves, we can hold space for others and and meet them and witness them and love all of them too. I think that's, that's really beautifully put. Thank you. So I'm really curious. Um, do you notice from your practice, because I've, I've got my own kind of, you know, noticing of, of, of how, how it changes for me but for you personally how do you notice that your your capacity or your parenting style or even your needs your like your own self-care needs change across your cycle um and when I say self-care needs like what do you need to do to hold space for yourself so that you can then hold like parent from that place how does it change across the cycle yeah so I think one thing would be like in my inner summer especially and maybe parts of like you know maybe the late spring and early autumn I just have the capacity to hold more um so I can have more things on my plate um and it is for me part of that kind of idea of cycle syncing my family rhythms that I talk about sometimes is that I do try and you know do a bit more cooking so there's food in the freezer later on um 
if I just feel like I've got this more open capacity, things don't necessarily grate on me as much. I don't necessarily need as much time to myself, although I try to be really careful about having some non-negotiables about what self-care looks like through the whole cycle. Cause I think it can be easy to just like, and um, pour all that summer energy out into other people. And um, but I absolutely find, yeah, that I can just, I can just keep more of the balls in the air at that time. And so by doing that, I can potentially, if I'm intentional about it, um, mean that there's fewer balls to manage a little bit later on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in the autumn, I certainly feel a need for just a little bit more physical space um, as well. Like sometimes, you know, my son is very affectionate, which is beautiful, but sometimes it's just like, can you sit in your own chair? You know, like simple things like that, which is like, not ex- you know, I, I, I don't think we could even necessarily call that self-care, but sometimes as a parent, it's really the little thing. Oh, it really is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Could you just sit in your own chair, please? I love you. I'd love to read this book for you. Let's hold hands, but can you not be on my lap right now? Yeah, um, yeah. And just that feeling of like my personal space extends, and he has like zero personal mm-hmm. space. He just wants to be up with everyone, which is gorgeous. Um, but yeah, sometimes you know there's those boundaries needed, and I think um, that's like a real inner autumn and and winter work for me as well is like how to express those boundaries just like from a real place of of kindness and and compassion and the need for that for me grows in my inner autumn and winter and um the thing that i find is like the more resourced and nourished and filled up i am and the more i'm able to let those be like a loving boundary a firm loving boundary rather than a a roar that you know, certainly sometimes comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of, of creative flow and downloads um, in my late summer and through my autumn and also my winter in a, a slightly different capacity. So just making sure that I'm keeping um, space open, like through journaling practice. Sometimes it's just notes on my phone, but just to collect those. Um, and that knowing in my autumn and winter that like, I kind of pull myself and my availability back a little bit. And that doesn't mean I, so um, I don't think I've said, but we, um, Peter goes in childcare a few mornings a week while I'm working, but we are a home educating family. So um, when I'm not like less available to him in the sense that I am physically present. And of course I want to be like present, present with him, but I might just make sure that we plan more laid back activities during those times, ones that aren't going to create a big mess and maybe put me on edge. So, you know, um, an example that I give is like, if we bake something every week, like maybe during my winter, when I have really low energy, we are just like making some no bake cookies where you're just stirring some things in a bowl and that's it. And then, you know, if he wants to make like a chocolate cake with frosting, maybe we'd save that for, that's one of his favorite things to to make. We'd like save that for my inner summer when I have that, um, greater capacity to hold things like I said and and including you know holding a tolerance for mass and things like that and so knowing those fluctuating needs then I can just kind of tweak what we're doing in our family life Mm. to know that it feels more manageable Mm. yeah there's some great ideas in there and it's curious because for me personally there's there's some overlaps and there's some differences and I feel like in my winter I I really want cuddles and hugs. Like I love to, I feel really soft and um, I let the girls come and they make me a cup of tea and they like to put me to bed and kind of tuck me in and they're like, oh, mom, you know, and I'm like, oh, can you do, you know, ask them to help me a little bit more and tidy up and kind of delegate to them a little bit more. Like they're six, four and two. So the older ones I'm talking about there, the younger one just is relentlessly messy and filthy and (laughs) she's got no concept of what's going on. Um, but yeah, like I, and my energy is, is so much less. And so I, I don't feel like, you know, sometimes I, I can't even fathom taking them to the park or like, you know, days out, it's like, we're just going to potter around the house and you can just do your thing. And I might get out like the painting and they can paint and make a mess and I don't care. I just sort of think about it later, but, um, it's more like, yeah letting them kind of just potter and and less needing to entertain as such. And then when I'm in my early spring, 
I notice that I get, um, it's like a little wounded part of me that comes out and really like doesn't want to rush back into like the spring and the energy and the outward. I kind of, I'm like, no, I just want to stay in this gentle, slow state, like just for a little bit longer where all my expectations are a lot lower and, and I take the pressure off completely. And, um, so I'm like, I don't, I don't want to go back into like being Wonder Woman again. I'm not ready for that. So I have this moment happens every time where I, um, yeah, I sort of feel this shift and I'm like, oh, it's a bit clunky and I don't really like it. But then once I get into spring, it's, um, it's good. Like I feel, I feel, you know, like I've got more, more energy and, um, I can be a bit more energetic with them, but come summer, it's like, I feel like I'm really playful and silly and like, I'm, like adventure days. It's like, yeah, no worries. Like get in the car, let's go out for the day and we'll pack a bag and a picnic and, you know, or do, do all the energetic stuff. And that feels, that feels like something I really want to do. Um, and my husband says that he's like, well, I really like you in summer. Like you, <laughs> you're more fun. <laughs> I'm like, oh, thanks. You know, what does that mean about the rest of the cycle? Um, but it, it's interesting getting his perspective on it as well, but that's a different topic. I'll come to that next. But then in my autumn, it's like the first, you know, I enjoy the first half of autumn. That's, that's good. And I feel a bit more boundary than I can, you know, I want a little bit more space and I kind of pull back a bit and, but it's okay. But that end of autumn, oh my word, I just want space. I just want them to tidy up and they will not do it. I just want everything sorted. It's like I want everything wrapped up in a bow and then I want everyone to fuck off and leave me alone and get out yeah. the house. And I'm like, go away. I don't want to see you. I don't want to hear you. And I'm like, I just want my husband to take everybody out and away and just give me like this, just a space to like, so I can collapse in a heap. And I think people don't, people being my husband and my children, I don't, it's like they hear me, but they're not listening. Like they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost like they're testing me or they don't, it's, they're used to me having the resilience to just push through. And there comes a point where I'm like, I mean it and I need it right now. Um, and that's when everyone gets the message that mom's like, mom's, you know, going to bleed pretty soon. And, um, and she needs a bit of space and she needs it right now. And um, yeah, it can, it's like, it's really challenging point of, you know, I run a business, my husband runs a business. We've got one in school and the others have care two days a week. And we have somebody to the house a third day to help for a few hours. And um, so there's a lot going on and, you know, there's a lot of people's needs to consider and there's a lot of noise and there's, we have a small house and, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty challenging trying to like have my needs heard and met, you know, and as the mother, it's like, you know, the old paradigm is that the mother just give, give, gives and doesn't even think about herself. And, you know, it's like in this, this era of having such deep awareness and, sovereignty and belief that my needs matter just as much as anyone else's is a real clash with um like I think how everyone else sees it and like my husband is is like on board with this like he's learning about the seasons of the cycle and he knows what it means but we still have these tricky points in the cycle where um, even though he's on board, there's like moments of resistance. Like if he's tired, if he's busy with work, if he's overwhelmed, if he doesn't have that capacity to step up and hold that space for me to flop or to withdraw, um, you know, and I can give that to him in my more resilient phases of my cycle. But I'm really curious to hear from you if you experience anything like that, if you, and how you make that work as a family and a partnership. And um, if you've got any hot tips for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can resonate with so much what you're, of what you're saying. And I think sometimes like what, you know, 
understandably when people are talking about menstrual cycle awareness and anything you know parenting and any kind of self-help they're talking from these like ideal worlds that don't exist and I don't mean that their world's ideal it just makes sense to kind of like I guess generalize that way but it doesn't mm-hmm. always end up being very helpful because I mean modern life is so full most of us don't have very robust um support networks which is I mean why we're moving to live close to my family in Canada um and there's everyone's holding a lot and so I I can really resonate with what you said about like your husband probably wants to give that to you and then he just doesn't have the capacity and he's under his own pressures from from work and things and I mean certainly um a lot of that has been like a a pressure cooker compounded by the pandemic I think so Mm. um I really could resonate with what you said about those kind of pottering days in your winter although sometimes I do find that if if there ends up being tension and um, this need to get away for sometimes for me, getting out of the house is the antidote to that because, and I don't know, cause I only have one child. So I can't, I, I imagine just getting three kids out, getting one child out of the house can be a lot. I'm sure getting three out of the house is just like a total pickle, but sometimes yeah, I just you need a meadow. You need a yeah. glass of wine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> take away, um, if we can get outside that, I know that I breathe differently outside and that sometimes like if he's just running in the park and like rolling in leaves or he like finds a little friend to play with, that there's like a real um, less of me is required to parent. I don't have to like police any of, you know, we have a pretty like he's allowed to make messes and he's got open access to his art materials and his toys. It's not like I'm policing him, but like there's less things that would kind of grate on me if I'm in that kind of tension in my cycle sometimes if we can get outside easily and sometimes even though I might not feel very social, if I know if we can meet up with one of his friends outside, I know that for me, it will feel less energy intensive to talk to another parent and maybe like have a cup of coffee while the kids run around in the park versus, um, you know, where he might feel at loose ends sometimes inside. And um, another thing that I think is really helpful is like at, at a point when you're not in that period so that you're at that kind of and I know that feeling too that like real tension building at the end of your cycle and just waiting for that release um and there's something else I'll say about that that I, I think becomes specifically pertinent to parents but um I'll say that in a minute like when we're getting when we're not in that tension I think anytime there's like we're finding a point of tension it could be something non-cyclic or not related to your menstrual cycle I mean the day is cyclic as well but maybe you find like getting out the door for school is always a bit tense or like dinner time certainly dinner times were recently really tense so when you're not in that tension can you reflect on like what would be a rhythm what's a doable thing that could happen so you recognize that you're coming to that point of separation and perhaps entering the void and by not being able to enter a real tensions occurring would you be able to kind of like create a big nest out of pillows and blankets for your kids and they watch a film and you put on an eye mask and earplugs. Um, I have a, a brain injury, so I have to spend a lot of time with eye masks and earplugs. And I wish I'd known about that. But I mean, it really, it's not a nap, but it creates a real reset for your brain. Um, mm. My doctor calls it a brain break. But that kind of thing where you, you know, you're still there, you can keep them safe if they really need something they can ask you, but that you could kind of withdraw, but still be present. Um, and I think it could be really helpful to, like for me I know to sit down with my husband and like talk through what the tension is and then both of you kind of um I don't know if you know nonviolent communication at all but that can be a, a helpful framework you can look it up and there's little templates that you can use but using that framework of like you know I'm feeling like this these are my needs that are not being met he can express like what his needs are in the situation what his capacity and then like just brainstorming so that you've got then got like a little go-to solution when those occur and maybe it's a handful of things like if he's if he's not working he could take the kids to the park if he is working he can do a movie or whatever those things are but I find it really helpful to figure out what what's a new rhythm I've been finding like our weekends a little bit clunky um recently and so just sitting down and thinking about like okay what are the you know the life admin that has to get done on the weekend what are the things that are going to fill us up and that we want to prioritize and how do we kind of create a free-flowing not a rigid routine but some free-flowing rhythm that we can um 
yeah, that we can use there to, to create a, a more joyful weekend. I don't know if that helps at all for thinking about that point in your cycle. Yeah, that's lovely. Thank you. Um, you just reminded me, I love eye masks and I've got this really great like sleep mask. And the other day, which it was, it was one day at the start of the week, I think it was. And I went and I lay down and I, I, um, I have my sleep mask on and cause I had a really bad headache as well. So I went and lay down just for, and I did put a movie on for the kids and they never just sit still. They're just kind of like jumping up and down and wriggling around and it's like, Oh dear. And, um, so I came back out and I had my, um, it was one of those wrap around the head, um, sleep masks. And I was just wearing it for the whole day. And my husband's like, do you need that on your head still? And I'm like, yes, I do. It's just giving me like just a bit of comfort, just hugging my head and just kind of reminding me that I'm, it was almost like an anchor to that energy of just like cocooning and resting and like kind of like not being fully present in the world. I don't know. It was just, it was very comforting. So I love that you mentioned sleep masks and brain breaks. Yeah, I think just that thing, like having young children can be a real sensory overload and then for those of us who have reprocessing issues that's tricky and then there are certain parts of our cycles where I think sensory overwhelm is more um sensitive and something that I've gotten since having similar to the IMAS since having a brain injury is that there's earplugs that you can get that I think they're originally designed for um going to gigs so that you don't get uh, hearing damage but now being marketed cleverly to parents as a way to just like tone things down a notch. So the ones Genius. Have, yeah, right. They're called vibes, the ones I have. And there's also a similar brand. I'm writing that down. Be. Yeah. Um, and they, I don't know how many decibels they take things down, but like I can still, I, since having the brain injury, if I go to a cafe or for like out somewhere, it would be noisy, but there's also just certain points of the day where, you know, like around dinner time, there's times when the volume just goes up that bit and I'm like not as resourced because we've gone through the full day and I'm, um, you know, feeling a bit tired and I just pop them in. I can still talk. It's a little bit, I find like being underwater, but it just really is that similar kind of cocooning things where it just takes things down a level for me. And like, so that I don't get to that point where it's like overwhelming and feels over my head with so much sensory input. So I think those, yeah, potentially for people who experience that as well can be really helpful. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I was going to say, yeah, I mean, I think in those phases of your cycle, for me, it's more in the winter. And I think you said like having those pottering days, any way that you can just embrace the horizontal parenting. So what I think for kids that can, you know, we can maybe feel like, oh, that's a cop out. It's not like those Pinterest worthy activities, but like a, a, a day where there's like special snacks and you get to watch a movie or like sticker books that you just pull out when mom needs to like lie down. Um, Peter and I will often cu- cuddle up in, um, my bed when I'm bleeding and listen to audio books or um if I feel up for it like I'll read a big stack of books to him mm-hmm. um and just those things where it's like really just like still a real close um connection isn't it but you can just be lying down I think that's really great um something that seems to be a pattern for many parents that I've been working with and speaking with is that and I think because you were saying how there's that little bit of you that um can feel a bit jilted maybe by needing to come out of spring more quickly than you want to, or, or, or not wanting to come out quickly. And I think one thing that um, I think people, when they start to rest and honor their period, sometimes it can then feel like, okay, I've done it. I've had, you know, I've now I've really got all this piled up that I need to take care of. And especially maybe, well, it feels like maybe, especially with young children that, um, there can be this feel of feeling of urgency. And I think a lot of people assume that the kind of spring energy is very similar to the summer energy and not recognizing what a slow progression it really is, like a freshness and newness, a slow planting seeds rather than a bolting right out of the gate. And I've heard from a lot of parents who are um, finding that they are experiencing kind of winter-like feelings in their summer and that they're actually having that uptick of energy more as soon as they start to bleed. And my suspicion is that if you are 
bolting really quickly out of the gate after you start bleeding or in your spring that you could really easily be burning. And I don't mean you, sorry, I'm speaking to like a universal, like a, a common experience that seems, and I've certainly experienced it myself, that you can easily be burning out by summer and feeling really flat out. Mm. And then it, that tension continues to build and can create really difficult PMS type symptoms. And then the bleed becomes that that feeling of release feels like the uptick in energy and that cycle can kind of go on and on. Um, mm. not, it, not necessarily, you know, it's not that there's something wrong with having an archetypal cycle, but if I think sometimes that seems to be really common for parents where there's like a real switch there. Um, and I think potentially if you're finding that it's leading to, um, to difficult, challenging symptoms, um, and experiences, it might be worth investigating whether, there's a way to to rest more at menstruation, which I know is not necessarily easy, but to just take things a little bit more slowly through that menstruation in spring and let your energy build and that that could, um, yeah, help bring a bit more balance. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I find interestingly that many of the women that I work with who are parents really struggle um, there's there's premenstrual symptoms, but when we explore what's going on, it's that bolting out of into spring too fast, and it's you know really like enjoying. People are enjoying the bleed time, like really you know like savoring that slowness and that hibernation, and you know it's not something that people are struggling with, but it's that spring where they might not be feeling like off like on a surface level that it's it's a problematic time, but behaviorally like the way they're setting themselves up um for the rest of the cycle it all it all comes back to that time of just going too fast and like being pulled out and you know like I find you know as well and and I've heard it with other people saying that you know their partners are like oh good you're done bleeding here like you take the reins again and it's that sense of like oh, you know, the good times are over and, you know, it's almost like you get permission to rest during your bleed and your partner's like, you know, if they're, if they're kind of on board with the whole thing, it's like, okay, you know, like this is the time when, you know, I know that, you know, you're bleeding, so I'll, I'll step in and, you know, do whatever. But it's like the moment it's over, it's like, right, back to you. And so, so that's one one part of it and the other part of it is yeah like you were saying like this this growing to-do list of everything that's been left to go on the back burner and to create that space over the bleed and then it's like staring people down like this you know the pressure of of needing to get through all this stuff and jumping back into it and when you've got that extra energy, you know, you feel like you can burn the candle a bit more at both ends and it's so tempting and to enjoy that creativity and that you know that desire to to um you know to be in that more socially accepted energy of um you know being there for other people and doing all the things and you know a bit more wonder woman type type energy and it's so tempting to just really step back into that and embody it but yeah one of the things that I love about the cycle so much is that even if our cycle is not you know, exactly as like the, the archetypal cycle is, there's so much wisdom in it that, you know, it, it it's that way for a reason. That's, that's how we have sustainability. That's how we, you know, that's what happens in nature. And, you know, the earth has lived for, oh my God, don't even know how many millions and millions and millions and millions of years. And, you know, we're here in a blink of an eye burning out at lightning speed because we're not living in that way and you know really looking to to that cycle to 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 remind us you know the benefit even if we don't feel like we're having you know the slowness and the bleed and then the peak in the summer and you know the up and the down like the shoulder seasons but whenever it is as long as at some point we're having that balance I think that's I think that's the important lesson and you know, role modeling that to, to, to your children and to your partner and saying that it's important. And, you know, even if they're not people who, who do or will have a menstrual cycle, you know, all of us getting to that place of, of honoring, honoring that. So with your son, you've got a son. I'm just curious how you're um, raising him to be 
cycle aware and and period positive yeah so I mean I've got a couple of posts that I've done on um, Instagram recently about this and it's been lovely to see the conversations and just think about the ripple effects that they're going to be about um so many people raising their children to be so cycle aware what a beautiful gift it will be for the ones who do menstruate to to have that wisdom from the beginning but I think also for the ones that don't um and I think you can see with young children how menstrual stigma and shame is entirely socially constructed because um Peter from like probably before he could talk you know he's like toddling into the bathroom with me and he's just like curious about it right and he's not disgusted I know some children will sometimes worry that um because there's blood that their parent is um in pain or or suffering he um I don't think ever thought that maybe just because as soon as he asked I was very clear to him that you know it wasn't hurting me that it was normal that something that happened every month um so I've just been from the very beginning um very open about the the physiological process and and in those Instagram posts I, I put a couple of like ideas at different ages what what those explanations might look like um so for him at this age it's just talking about the fact that my body um creates a little nest in my womb he knows that he um at one point grew in my womb obviously um yeah a little in the post we talk a little bit you know what that might look for for adoptive families and, and families where mm-hmm. um non-birth families but anyways for you know he knows that he grew in my womb and and then was born and so just that, that there's like a little nest growing in there every month that would make it a soft cushy safe space if um if we were to have another baby but because we're not having another baby every month that little nest comes out and um another one grows the, the following month kind of thing and mm. um that kind of makes sense to him you know it has brought up some questions because he's um going to be a, a one and only that um you know why why aren't you putting another baby in there but that's like a whole other thing um uh. and so you know I've mostly talked about the cycle energetically with him in terms of my period so far and I think um it that I can can grow on that awareness for him as he gets a bit older and a, a bit more interested but um, you know, certainly he understands that I have less energy and probably eat more chocolate when I'm bleeding, but mm-hmm. he might, like he might need to just like, let me lie down with a blanket. Um, yeah, that, you know, he knows like I get my hot water bottle out, those kind of things. And so he, he, like, I think that you're saying with your children can be quite nurturing and sweet about, about helping like take care of mommy, um, when I'm bleeding. And I think it's really important that, um, you know, whether a child will menstruate or not, that they are raised with a full awareness of what that biological process is. I mean, yeah, there's so much that <laughs> that menstruators partners should know, but like, you know, are not taught. And then we weren't taught about our own bodies as well. And I think that will be a big part of, um, of helping to, um, eliminate the, the stigma on a societal level. And, you know, um, whether or not he will have partners who menstruate, I don't know, but he'll certainly have friends and family members who menstruate and being able to be supportive of their cyclic experience, I think is really important. Um, yeah. And I just think there's, it takes the shame out of it, doesn't it? If they just know in a really accurate, honest way, what's happening mm. Um how how powerful even just those simple things are yeah yeah lovely yeah I love that you're just being really open with them right off the bat and I I I agree and I use the same analogy you know like a nest and today I was sat there with a hot water bottle and my daughter came home from school she got off the school bus and she said oh I I want your I want the hot water bottle and it's like no mommy needs it like my my back's a little bit sore today why it's like because I'm bleeding and my four-year-old was asking as well and you know why and we we have this conversation and I think I tell them every month and they ask the questions again and it's like they're testing like yeah. like is the explanation the same you know like just checking their understanding and and just always really like oh yeah cool um and um I always because I I wear um period pants and so I soak them and have the, the bloody water and you know ask them which flowers they want to go and pour the 
the the blood on each month and they they quite enjoy that they think it's quite cool because then we see that yeah the flowers are doing well and they're blooming more and it's like you know it's magic magic blood and um but yeah i think i completely agree just being really transparent and i think it can feel really um I mean, there's all kinds of different experiences and, and, you know, I still hear a lot of people horrified at the idea of that, you know, really, really keeping it secret and, you know, thinking that it's something that we really, really need to wait until they're older, until they're old enough to kind of understand. But I believe that the earlier they witness just the normal day-to-day process of living in our body, the better, so... Yeah, I love what you shared yeah. there. Thank you. I think so often our society gets things backwards with what they think. I Because I really do believe in protecting the kind of sanctity of children, uh, of childhood and letting them be little and not making them grow up too quickly. And I um, certainly don't think that knowing about periods threatens that. I often mm-hmm. think that society kind of burdens children with too high of expectations of things that aren't developmentally appropriate or you know they're learning about things that could genuinely be quite traumatic and scary and then um and then isn't kind of honoring their capabilities as whole capable people um and trusting them yeah, with things that I certainly don't see any reason why why that knowledge would be damaging. And I think it, if you do press people on it, they're often like getting a bit of a fluster. Like it's, they might not be able to articulate this, but it's way more about their embarrassment and shame around their bodies. And um, certainly I used to find um, embarrassment and shame around my cycle, but I, I've never heard a good reason why children shouldn't know about menstruation. Mm. I think that's a really good point that you just made there about the difference um, between telling them too much that's not age appropriate and that's, you know, too much for them to understand and take on versus versus this, this is something that's normal and that we can explain and, you know, using language and, um, you know, like a, the nest analogy, for example. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I think it... it I don't think people think it's weird when young children like play about guns and superheroes and, mm. uh, you know, I know there's mixed views on when and whether that's appropriate. The fact that like that kind of violence is societally normal, but a really basic important biological function is in is very backwards to me. Totally hear you on that. I completely, completely agree. Um, Thank you. Okay. I just had one more question that I just wanted to throw at you. Just something that I was thinking about. I was talking to um, somebody recently and we were talking about, you know, these different experiences that we can have. And just as uh, talking about parenting, I just wondered if you had any sense, you know, this doesn't appear to be your lived experience, but for people who are solo parents, you know, single parents, single mothers or you know, um, single parenting and having a menstrual cycle. Do you have advice or do you have a perspective on, you know, because obviously that's going to be quite challenging at certain times when you're the person who's carrying the load. And like you say, a lot of us don't have support where we live. Some people absolutely do. And just wondering whether you had, um, anything to add to the conversation around you know that that someone who's listening who's a solo parent might benefit from Mm. yeah so I mean yeah this is not my experience and so we always welcome people to if you if you have your own ideas about this would be an interesting conversation to have but um a few things that could be helpful and something that I feel really strongly about and it's just been like this deep in my bones in my womb like call and ache is that I think it's really important, like activism that is at the governmental level, you know, all of those things are important for creating change. But I think this yearning that many of us are having for um, community and belonging and really strong support networks, we have to create them. Um, And it's uncomfortable sometimes. And it's, you know, because it's just not what we are encouraged to do in this very individualistic society, but to like put our needs on other people, even though that we may know that helping someone else meet their own needs is really 
life affirming and um, feels good, doesn't it? But um, yeah, thinking about what it might look like to create that support network for yourself in whatever ways are possible. And it might be starting really, really small, but like if you have another parenting friend who you could potentially do some childcare swaps with sometimes, um, depending, you know, on your financial situation, if that's like paying for childcare, sometimes paying to have meals come in sometimes and just knowing, because I think there can be a lot of beliefs around that, that we've inherited that, that we have to do it all. And that if we're like relying on a cleaner or a babysitter or a meal delivery service, that somehow we're like not living up to our responsibilities as a mother and a person. And, you know, I think we can intellectually know that's all nonsense um, and still be having the uncomfortable feelings about it. But if you've got that kind of financial um, position, I think those can be really wonderful paid support networks. And, And knowing that that's like, a gift to the person providing the service as well, right? That's their livelihood. Um, I know some um, people who work independently as cleaners and they're able to make um, a wage that they're really happy with. And yeah, I just, I just think that, that that's, that is a form of um, mutual support as long as people are being paid fairly and everything. Um, but I do think, yeah, I'm really interested in this idea of how we build these strong support networks and communities ourselves. And I think sometimes, um, even like through like-minded Facebook groups, I found local friends um, and just like starting to like put that out there with people like, would you want to swap childcare? And, um, you know, especially through this pandemic, we have one family locally where we've just like, when we've needed to, we've just leaned on each other. If someone had to self-isolate and get groceries and um, someone who I follow, Abby Smeeson on Instagram, I think she's a really beautiful example of someone who's just really trying to build that network and those um, roots for her geographic area, for her community, but also for her own family, you know, Um, and she writes really beautifully about that. I just find it inspiring to to see other people and the ways that they're doing that and how can we factor that in. Um, And certainly just thinking about the ways that maybe um, with your children, you can do a little bit of cycle syncing. So um, something that I find really helpful is that, um, and actually on my website, sarahstars.com, I have a blog post that has this all listed out, but I have um, a four week meal plan that is like quote unquote cycle sync. So it's not about eating different foods at different phases of your cycle, but it's more about like having easier meals um, at certain types of my cycle and like maybe like a bit more complex meals at different phases of my cycle. Um, but you can go there and check that out. And there's also like a free download if you want to just like, you know, we eat meat and you might not, or you might have allergies so that those recipes don't work, which is showing you my kind of little formula that I plug the recipes into. Cause then I just, when I don't really feel like thinking of what to cook, I just got this list of recipes that I know we all like. And part of that is that at least once a week, but often twice, I'll make something that's kind of like a big one pot meal. So like we had a chicken stew last night that we all really like with like chili um, sometimes a big like baked mac and cheese. And I'll make twice as much of it so that we can freeze some of that. And I think that's just like so supportive for anyone, but especially I think if you're um, solo parenting to just know that you have those meals in the freezer when you need them, I tend to rely on them when I'm bleeding, but it's just nice to know they're there anytime. Um, and in addition to that, that also, you know, includes fish fingers and chips and and it doesn't have to be like home cooked meals all the time giving myself a lot more grace in that area has certainly certainly been helpful it doesn't always have to be a a home cooked meal and yeah hopefully those things would be helpful thinking about how you can just take some of the the pressure off like look at what's non-essential and just let it go for a little bit and you know knowing that you can come back to it but if the house needs to be a bit messier for a season of your life um, if you need to eat more like freezer dinners for a season of your life, knowing that it's all okay, like everyone's going to be okay. And um, you're taking some of that pressure off. I think I know it's been really helpful for me through this pandemic as well. Mm, mm, some great ideas. Thank you. And we'll link to your um, blog post on your website with the, um, the meal plan for the month for the cycle. I think that's a great idea. And I would like that very much. So thank you. Beautiful. Well, as we wrap up, what's been a really lovely conversation, Sarah, I'd just love to ask you um, just my question that I love to ask all my guests as we end, just would love to hear from you. What, what's been the biggest gift of connecting with your cycle? What's that given you? 
Yeah, so many things. I think that ultimately that kind of access to really deep access to my intuition and really full picture, technicolor kind of self-awareness. Because I think over time that has so many knock-on effects, like how much my self-trust has grown, how much my ability to take care of myself has grown, um, my ability, like I said, to be really present and connected with my family. And I think all of those things grow out of that kind of access to my intuition and a real trust and knowledge in what what I am, who I am, what I'm feeling, what um what I intuitively know and all of that yeah has so many gifts within it Mm. wonderful thank you so much it's been a really really great conversation I've learned heaps from you and I really feel that people who are listening will feel themselves reflected back in in our experiences but also have ways of of accessing you know, what's going to work for them in their own parenting journey, their own unique menstrual cycle as well. So thank you so much for joining us. It's been really, really lovely. Thank you so much, Charlotte. I hope that you really enjoyed that conversation between me and Sarah. If you'd like to connect with Sarah, you can follow her on Instagram at Sarah Stars, which is S-T-A-R-R-S underscore And also her website is sarahstars.com. I'll put the links to those and the blog post that she referenced in the show notes. Okay, lovelies, until next time, have a great week. Thank you so much for listening in. If you're loving this podcast and you'd love to help me spread the wisdom shared, please leave a review or rating or share this with somebody who you think would love to listen in. I'm really passionate about creating ripples of change and getting this information to more women, girls and people with a cycle so that they can reclaim their cyclic natures too. And if you'd love to dive in deeper with learning more about how to connect with your cycle and rites of passages, come and join our free Wildflow Circle community or choose a course and learn with me on my online learning hub. All the links are in the show notes. And until next time, be well and go with the flow of your cyclic nature.